You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Locked On Clippers podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Hand. Today is Thursday, March 30th, 2017. We're here with our second to last episode of the week. Tomorrow we'll close with our final episode of the week, talking, um, you know, the Clippers and Suns play tonight, so we'll talk a little bit about, about that game. We'll get ready for the weekend in the Western Conference and how, you know, different games from different teams can impact the seeding and the playoff race. And then we'll be back next week with a new slate of episodes from Monday through Friday. So diving right into the most obvious relevant piece of news that we have is the Clippers win over the Washington Wizards last night, 133-124 at Staples Center. An insanely high-scoring affair. The Clippers actually dropped off of like a... 150-point pace with a little bit of a slower fourth quarter, only scoring 23 after scoring 39, 35, and 36 in each of the first three periods. But, you know, for everything the Clippers gave offensively, they kind of gave back (laughs) defensively to the Wizards. So we'll start with the bad, I guess, Um, because you can kind of pile on stats about both the offense and the defense in what was a pretty unique game. So we'll look at the the defense, the bad part, and then we'll kind of move into um, the more fun stats. So the main driving force behind the Wizards being able to put up 124 points at Staples Center last night was John Wall. He was a ridiculously efficient 16-23 from the field. He had 41 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, 3 steals, and he was like... It, it looked like they were playing on on ice and John Wall was the only guy wearing ice skates everyone else was like <laughs> you know there was one play where JJ Reddick got um, matched up with him in transition and JJ gave him space because John Wall isn't a great shooter you know he's he's way more deadly on the drive and John Wall still blew past <laughs> just gone um it was, it was like JJ was standing at like 15 feet when when John was at like 20, 22 feet out, and by the time John Wall was at the rim, J.J. Redick had moved from about 15 feet out to about 12 feet out, <laughs> so he, I mean, that, that's just the kind of ridiculous speed, and you know, he, he's kind of slithery, he finishes so creatively, um, but he had a great game, and then the other guy, you know, that you'd expect, I talked in the, in yesterday's episode, getting ready for this game about the high-scoring backcourt, Bradley Beal had 27 points. 10 of 22 shooting, 5 of 11 from deep. So not quite the prolific efficiency or volume of John Wall, but still a very, very good game in his own right to shoot almost 50% from the field and make five threes. And then Jason Smith was kind of a big contributor off the bench in a way that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect making five or making four three-pointers, 14 points and eight rebounds. He's, it's not like he's a bad three-point shooter, which I think the Clippers broadcast, Mike Smith said during the game, he's never seen him make a three-pointer before. Jason Smith is a mid-range jump shooter primarily, but he's made threes before. Um, he, on average, makes about a three-pointer every other game this season, a little less than that. In 67 games, he's got 26 threes. So it's not like it's completely... 
insane for him to be making a three-pointer, but for him to shoot four of ten from deep in a game is crazy. That that it um is surprising to me. And then, you know, just just little but efficient contributions. Um, Kelly Oubre was ten points, three or four from the field. Markeith Morris, even though he didn't have a great game overall, four of six from the field, fourteen points. And as a team, largely led by John Wall's sixteen of twenty-three, which boosted the overall efficiency, the Wizards shot forty-nine point five percent from the field, made thirty-eight percent of their threes only had 10 turnovers, had 22 assists as a team. Their offense was clicking. I mean, they scored 124 points. Um, There was a point, actually, when the Wizards were 11 of 22 from deep, and they finished 13 of 34. So that means they made two of their last 12 three-point jump shots, which is... I mean, you know, this game, both teams were shooting very hot. The Clippers, at the time, were 10 of 20, and they finished 12 of 30, so... The Clippers were 10 of 20, the Wizards were 11 of 22. I forget at what point in the game this was, but I remember checking and seeing 10 of 20, 11 of 22. So after that point, the Wizards went 2 for 12, and the Clippers went 2 for 10. So I guess it dropped off a little bit, although the Clippers did stay hot from the field, shooting 56.6% from the field, which is crazy high. But so, you know, that's the, that's the bad. The Clippers really didn't compete at a high level defensively against the Wizards. And that might be a good example when you talk about, oh, you can't just flip the switch. You can't snap your fingers and start playing well. Even if you're a talented team, it's something where you have to build. And this might be a good example of the Clippers trying to flip the switch, flipping like the motor switch and playing sharp basketball and just not quite being where they need to be defensively but that's what this last stretch of the regular season is for so you don't necessarily look at it as an indictment of the team because it felt like there was a little bit of effort there guys getting on the floor and definitely the sharp execution offensively is going to help them you know carry momentum and start playing well all around going forward but you definitely look at this as like a jumping off point the, the defense needs to start getting better every night after a bad start to kind of this last seven-game stretch of the season. You had a bad start tonight defensively against the Wizards. You have to do better in these last six games to gear up for the playoffs. Now, offensively, it was a completely different story. As bad as the Clippers were on defense, this is one of the better offensive performances that we've seen from this team literally in the five, you know, not the best, but one one of the better ones that we've seen in this five-year era of Clipper basketball. Blake Griffin had 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists on 10 of 16 shooting, so very efficient near triple-double. DeAndre Jordan had 23 points and 18 rebounds on 8 of 9 from the field. Chris Paul had 27 points and 13 assists, 9 of 15 from the field, and J.J. Redick had a season-high 31 points, 9 of 15 from the field, 7 of 11 from deep. When you're getting that from those four guys, you don't need a whole lot else from the rest of the team. Uh, Maybe it's good that that you don't because they didn't get a whole lot else, but largely when all four of those guys are playing well, you don't need to lean on Jamal Crawford or Raymond Felton as heavily. You don't need Mo Spates to come in and get hot 
when DeAndre Jordan is putting up 23 and 18. And so Mo had an, you know, Mo had five points and two rebounds. Felton had two points, one of two from the field. He didn't need to take shots. The only guy on the bench who really did take shots in a high volume was Jamal Crawford, who had a eh night, six of 16 from the field. You know, not good, but not the worst. He did have 14 points, which was really the only scoring contribution outside of the Clippers' core four. And I guess the other notable thing would be that Austin Rivers left this game with a sore hamstring. Um, I don't think it's serious. They said he was going to travel with the team to Phoenix but not play. So I think it's the kind of situation where you're a couple weeks away from the playoffs starting. You've got an important piece on your team, maybe like the fifth or sixth or seventh most important player on your team, a guy who's going to be playing big minutes who you need production from, and he's beat up. So you give him a break. Um, it kind of goes back, though, to the Clippers playing shorthanded without J.J. Redick against Sacramento, giving Austin Rivers double duty, playing him with the first and second unit, so he played like 44 minutes in that game. That's, you know, that, that decision looks even a little more puzzling now that you look back and he's got a little bit of a hamstring issue and he only played eight minutes tonight before, or last night before leaving game and he's not going to play tonight in Phoenix. You know, that's, that's questionable. I think that, that Doc Rivers played him so much in that Sacramento game where now he had to turn to Allen Anderson in the second unit in the second half of this game and Allen Anderson's going to have to play in that role again tomorrow night in Phoenix. Whereas if he played Allen Anderson in the game that JJ missed, maybe Austin, you know, stays a little sharper. So that, you know, that Sacramento game just can, the, the questions, the really puzzling questions from the rotation and decision making in that Sacramento game kind of continue to linger, even though the team hopefully seems to have moved past it a little bit. Now, the Clippers weren't the only, obvious, um, obviously the only team in action last night that matters to the Clippers because at this stage in the season, you know, what happens to the teams around you in the standings can directly affect how your season turns out and what your playoff matchups are going to be. So, the, you know, there's some minor ones. Memphis won, which you know, keeps them alive in whatever sense that they are alive for a fight with the Clippers and Thunder over 5-6-7. The Thunder won, which keeps them tied with the Clippers in the loss column, even though the Clippers remain a win ahead. The Utah Jazz won, which keeps them two losses ahead of the Clippers, although Jazz fans swear to me on Twitter that their upcoming schedule is so tough that they're guaranteed to fall to sixth place. Here's the really influential game, though. Or I guess there, well, well, there, there are two. One that mad, doesn't really matter to Clippers and is less influential, and obviously then the big one. The, the more minor one was the New Orleans Pelicans versus the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the Pelicans right now are on the way outside looking in of you know, the fight for the eight seed. There are five losses behind Portland with not a ton of time left in the season. Portland has um, eight games remaining. And so Portland would have to go, 
I, I don't know what the tiebreaker is, but even if New Orleans has the tiebreaker, they'd have to win out in their last seven games, and Portland would have to go three and five just for them to tie. So it's like the longest of long shots, but it's still a shot. And because they beat Dallas, that pretty much pushes Dallas out of the race. Here's what, in my mind, is significant for New Orleans, is that the last game of the season, they play Portland. So that basically means Portland has to go 3-4 and four in the other seven games, and then New Orleans could, could play, you know, to give them that fifth loss on the last night of the season. And... Denver, who's the team in between Portland and New Orleans, has two head-to-head contests remaining with the Pelicans. So New Orleans, even though they're more than two losses behind Denver, has a chance to kind of catch up with the Nuggets. So you don't have to worry about, well, Portland's going to go on a real slump, but it doesn't matter because we're not even behind them. The, that that Those head-to-heads are what I've kind of been saying for a while, give... New Orleans, sort of an interesting chance to to try to make some sort of crazy last two week of the season run. It's still obviously very, very unlikely, but, you know, they beat Dallas by three points. This was a big game because those were the two teams on the outside looking in of that Portland-Denver race. And I think Dallas now is pretty much dead, but New Orleans is still, like, on life support, barely breathing. And Portland's schedule, you know... They've got Houston today. They played the Jazz twice. They played the Spurs. If they lose, you know, the Spurs might be resting by then, but if they lose both games to the Jazz and they lose tonight to Houston, then they've got that last Spurs game, two games against Minnesota, and a game against Phoenix. They drop one of those, and New Orleans at a place where if they do get insanely hot and... You know, maybe when they play Golden State, the Warriors rest their guys. They could be in a position to have that April 12th game be meaningful. But there's still, you know, there's still obviously a lot of ground to cover before that becomes the case for for these two teams. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. It doesn't even particularly affect the Clippers because it's a race for the eight seed. But it's just going to be, you know, hopefully a cool story. It would be nice to have a close competitive finisher to have that game be like really intense on the last night of the season with those two teams kind of fighting for playoff positioning. One thing that's noteworthy, though, is that as we talk about Portland kind of needing to go 3-4 and four in their next seven games before they get to that Pelicans game, is that Portland is 8-2 and two and on a four-game winning streak. They're playing their best basketball of the season at the, at the right time when they need to make this push to first get into eighth place where they've been trailing Denver for a while and now hold on to it. New Orleans, though, is 7-3 and three in their last 10. So it's not like they're slacking in any way. Um, so we'll see. You know, It starts with this game between Portland and Houston and seeing if kind of they can start slipping and maybe give New Orleans a little bit of hope. That leaves, though, the, the last game um, from Wednesday night's action that is highly relevant to the Clippers, which was between the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs, trailing by two in the loss column, needed this win to secure the tiebreaker over the Warriors and 
pulled within one game so that the margin was very slim for the last stretch of the season. They weren't able to get it. The Warriors won the game, um, which is very unfortunate for the Clippers because the Clippers would obviously like for the Spurs to finish in first place so that they could be a potential second-round matchup. But, you know, it wasn't meant to be. And we expected the Warriors to be in first place all season long. The only reason there was really kind of a hope was because of the fluke of the Kevin Durant injury maybe opening the door. But now it looks like that door of San Antonio finishing in first place is pretty much slammed shut. And what this means is that the Clippers are in, like, decision mode. They basically must decide now if they want to avoid Golden State in the second round or not. Because, you know, I had, I've had people talking to me about this since December. The Clippers can't finish in fourth or fifth. They have to drop down to sixth place. They should be losing games to drop down to sixth place in December. And not even halfway through the season. Now we reach a point where, and you know, I, I said all along, like, maybe, maybe it's better to avoid Golden State in the second round. But not right now. You don't want to lose five games in a row in January so that you can hold on to sixth place for three months. You wait and see where how things shake out. Um, but now with seven games left in the season, we've seen how things are going to shake out. The Clippers' most likely landing spot right now is five. They have a chance at four. They have a chance to fall to six and a very slim chance of falling to seven. They aren't passing the Houston Rockets. They aren't dropping below the Portland Trailblazers. So the range is four, five, six, seven. Seven's a little bit of a stretch. Five and six are probably the in in order of likelihood would be five, six, four, seven. I think, but do you, you know, it, it, it's a tough decision, and we'll probably get into it a little bit more tomorrow's episode when we don't have. Maybe maybe next week. I'm not sure. But what, this is obviously something that we're going to be discussing at length in the two weeks to come because it's a big it's a big decision. The most favorable, favorable first-round matchup for the Clippers is the Utah Jazz, in which case you want to be in that 4-5. But that means a second-round matchup with the Golden State Warriors, who you obviously want to avoid at all costs because they kick your ass every time you play them. At the same time, is your goal to get out of the second round or is your goal to win a championship? Because if your goal is to win a championship, you're going to have to beat the Warriors eventually. And why not do it in the second round? Because if you play them in the Western Conference, fine. You know, let's say, let's go down this road. You drop to sixth place on purpose so you don't have to play the Warriors in the second round. You play a grueling series with Houston, but you beat them. And I'm not saying the Clippers would beat Houston. I'm saying this is like the, the hypothetical that I'm going down. Hypothetically, you beat Houston. You move on to a second-round series against San Antonio. Again, it's a tough series. The Spurs are good, but you beat them. You get to that Western Conference Finals against Golden State. You're beat up. You're probably missing someone because of an injury or someone's, you know, Chris Paul's playing hurt by this point. And the Warriors roll you. If you play them in the second round, 
the Clippers probably should should be feeling pretty confident against the Utah Jazz that they can end that series without having to go to seven. You know, this is something I, I talked about last year when the Clippers were playing the Portland Trailblazers, and we thought the Clippers were going to be able to win that series in five before all of the injuries happened in game four. The Clippers have never won a playoff series as presently constructed in less than seven games, which means they have always moved into the second round with like one day of rest, beat up from a tough seven-game series against Memphis or whoever. And then they, they always lose in the second round. So the trick to getting out of the second round might be having an easier first round and Utah is, you know, not to discredit the Jazz, but because of the way the Clippers match up with them, Utah is the Clippers' best chance to get that. Because if you drop down to six versus Houston, first of all, I'm not convinced that the Clippers beat the Rockets. But beyond that, they're not going to beat them handily. They could beat the Jazz in five games and you know, the the Warriors are, are going to beat the Trailblazers relatively quickly in four or five. There's just the eight seed in the West isn't strong this year. So anything the Clippers can do to go into that series on the against the Warriors with even footing, at least rest wise, with relative health, I don't know. And honestly the Rockets scare me. The Clippers didn't we've only seen them really play one time and the Clippers didn't play well. And that doesn't mean that you know, I'm calling Doomsday, but yeah, that, that Rockets series scares me because you say, you know, oh, well, we're going to get swept in the second round against the Warriors. Well, do you really want to lose in, what if we, what if the Clippers lose in five games against the Rockets in the first round? Wouldn't you rather get a chance for this Clippers team as currently constructed because we may never see them as currently constructed again? Don't you want them to have one shot at a playoff series with this great warrior super team as the underdog. It feels like we've been waiting for it forever, ever since the Clippers eliminated them a few years ago pre-Steve Kerr and, you know, the creation of this new Warriors group. We haven't been able to see these teams play in the playoffs, and the Warriors have dominated the Clippers in the regular season. And I just think... You know, maybe the Clippers go in and get swept. And I'm not saying it's out of the question with how they play during the Warriors, and I certainly don't ex I'm not expecting them to win the series at all. But if this group is going to blow up during the summer, let's at least give it a shot. Let's say we were building towards this forever and we got our asses kicked. Not, oh, we tried to avoid the tough fight and ended up losing to a different team. Because the Clippers and the Rockets are probably on similar tiers talent-wise, even though the Rockets have had a better season because they've had better health. You know, that's a tough that's a tough fought series, just like we've seen between the Clippers and the Grizzlies and the pre-Steve Kerr Warriors, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the San Antonio Spurs. Tough fought series between two good teams. Maybe what this Clippers team needs in order for everyone involved to really feel comfortable moving on is to lose to a team that's better than them. And whatever moving on, moving on might mean 
making some changes but not totally blowing it up. Or it might mean guys taking pay cuts to bring in the extra help that they feel they need. Or it might mean everyone leaving and starting over from scratch. But if you can finally play a team that's better than you and lose to them, which the Clippers really haven't done since their first year when they got swept by the Spurs in the second round, since then you haven't felt like, well, we lost to a team that was better than us. They lost a tough series to the Grizzlies, but it wasn't like the Grizzlies were better. It was just like it was a tough, hard-fought series. The Clippers had some injuries. They lost that series to Oklahoma City. Again, some questionable officiating in that one for sure, but it was a tough, hard-fought series. It's not like the Clippers got wiped away by a superior team. They blew that series to the Houston Rockets. Not like you say Houston was the better team in that series. You say the Clippers choked away a 3-1 lead. They really should have won and gone to the Western Conference Finals. And then they were injured against the Portland Trailblazers. So the last time the Clippers lost to a team that was better than them in the playoffs was against the San Antonio Spurs in their first year together. So maybe it's, you know, it's not the worst thing after all the disappointments and gut punches Maybe it's okay to lose to a team that's better than you instead of risking losing to the Houston Rockets. Um, I, I, it's, it's a tough question, and I know there's going to be a lot of different opinions on this, so I'm interested, interested to see what you guys have to say about it on Twitter, um, at LucasJahan, at ClipsNationSBN. Tweet me your thoughts. But, you know, now is the time. I, I, said, I, I said all season... Let's see how it shakes out before we worry about tanking for seeding. Well, it has shaken out. Um, the Warriors are going to be the one seed. The Spurs are going to be the two. The Rockets are going to be the three. And so you can decide now, do we want to be in 4-5 or five and have the easy first-round matchup but risk the Warriors in the second round? Do we want to drop to six and play Houston? Or do we want to try to drop all the way to seven, which might not be possible because Memphis is three and a half games behind to play the Spurs. It's not an easy choice. Um, I think right now you just try to keep winning. Is, even even though it's only seven games left and it's like if you're going to make a move down in the standings, now's the time to start thinking about it. I think the move right now is to keep playing well. Hope you can pass Utah for home court advantage in the first round, which is an outside shot, but possible because of Utah's schedule. And then be playing your best, you know. Play your be Go into that Golden State Warriors series saying, we're healthy. We just had our best playoff series victory as, you know, in the last half decade that we've been together. And we've been playing well for a month. That, I'm more worried about those things going into a second round Warriors series than not being able to say those things but be going into a third round Warriors series that honestly, the Clippers, if they're in 4-5 or five with Utah, they're more likely than not to be playing the Warriors in the second round. They'd be the underdogs against the Houston Rockets and they'd be the underdogs in the second round against the San Antonio Spurs if they were able to beat Houston and they'd have to go on the road. They'd have to win in, in those two series. Maybe they close one out at six at Staples Center in six games. But 
they're probably going to have to win a Game 7 on the road just to get to Golden State. Take the easier path to that marquee matchup. And if you lose, you lose. Um, but I just don't think, at the end of the day, when we look back on this team, I don't think we're really going to care. Yeah, but that last year before Chris Paul left in free agency, they finished in seventh place, but then made it to the third round before getting swept by the Warriors. I don't think that's going to change the legacy of this team. It's a you know it's it's a complex it's there there's a lot of sides to it. And I've definitely gone back and forth over the course of the season, thinking they should drop the, you know they should avoid the Warriors, they should not avoid the Warriors. But you know I'm curious to see what you guys think. Now um that I see how long I've rambled for, I'm just gonna briefly run down the important games to watch tonight, and then we'll get we'll get out of here and finish our week tomorrow. Um, with Friday's episode. So Clippers at Phoenix tonight, second night of a back-to-back. They're traveling. Like I said, Austin Rivers is going with the team, but he won't play. I think everyone's expected to play. They haven't announced that anyone is resting, and I think while they might like to rest guys on the back-to-back at this stage in the season, they're not re- they really can't afford to because if they want to pass Utah, they have to all but win out. They might be able to lose one or two games if Utah really struggles. And just holding off Oklahoma City with the teams tied in the loss column is going to be a struggle. So you can't afford to rest guys and maybe drop a game to Phoenix. This is a game you, that you have to win. So I think they, they will probably play their guys even though they'll probably keep them on shorter minutes because Blake Griffin played 40 minutes last night, Chris Paul 37, DeAndre Jordan 38. So they might lean a little bit more heavily on guys like Felton who only played 12 and Spates who only played 10. But... I mean, hopefully they don't lean heavily on Paul Pierce, but, you know, I think they'll give a little bit more of a break to Blake, DJ, and Chris than they did last night against the Wizards. And the other game to watch in the Western Conference would be Houston at Portland. Houston, like, like I've been saying, it doesn't really matter. Six losses behind the Warriors, six losses ahead of the Jazz. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be the third seed. But Portland right now is one loss ahead of the Denver Nuggets in the loss column. And like I mentioned earlier, New Orleans is still like has that outside shot with the head-to-head left and Portland's tough schedule. So this would be a game, if you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan, that you're watching thinking, this is one of the games Portland has to lose for us to have a shot. So it's worth keeping an eye on, even if it's not really central to the Clippers. You know, the Clippers, it's, it's worth keeping an eye on just because of the playoff race. And then the team, all the other teams that matter, I guess the, the Warriors and Spurs don't really matter since they're probably pretty locked in at one and two. But Utah, Oklahoma City, and Memphis, none of them in action tonight, just the Clippers. So all they got to do is go take care of business in Phoenix and then, you know, come home and have a day off before they play the Lakers, and then they've got three days off to get ready for kind of the last week of the season. But with that, we're going to call it an episode. As always, you can tweet at me with any comments, questions, feedback at LucasJHan. You can email me lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. And then for the Clips Nation blog, follow t- on Twitter at ClipsNationSBN. 
Check out the blog at ClipsNation.com. Follow it on Facebook by typing ClipsNation in the Facebook search bar. And thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a good review if you like the show. This is Lucas Hand signing off for Locked on Clippers.